On this communion morning, let's open our Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. We'll read verses 40 through 45. Mark, the first chapter, beginning at verse 40. May the Lord be pleased now to bless the reading and exposition of his word. This is the word of God. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, And said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. The word of the Lord people of God, the miracles of our Savior were revelations of the kingdom of God. They were confrontations with the powers of darkness that call us this morning to decision. They lay an absolute claim upon our lives. They suspend reliance upon all other authorities. They call us to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is especially true of Jesus raising the dead And it is also true of the miracle of the cleansing of the leper as well. Indeed, we will see a connection between those two thoughts toward the end of our exposition this morning. The first thing I want you to see as we look at this text on this communion morning is a leper comes to Jesus. A leper comes to Jesus. We read in verse 40, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. Now think of what this means. For the background is Leviticus 13 and 14. The background is that of leprosy in terms of these various skin diseases that were were legislated about in the Old Testament that would include what we call Hansen's disease. Various other diseases are not touched upon in Leviticus, but this one class of disease is singled out as a symbol of sin. And we do not allegorize when we look at this text and we begin to understand that some of the point, a large measure of what is going on here, is that we are to read this healing in terms of Leviticus 13 and 14 as a symbol of sin. This leper who came to Jesus, his disease in four ways would have defined his very life. How? Well, first of all, all that he touched was unclean. If he touched cups, utensils, a bed, even if he touched a wall, it was considered ceremonially unclean. Secondly, 
The leper was a social outcast having no place among the people of God. So we read in Leviticus 13, verse 46, he shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp. He had no social life. He could not be around others. He had to live by himself outside of the camp of Israel. Thirdly, he could not worship at the tabernacle later at the temple. He couldn't enter in with the worship of the people of God when they gathered to offer sacrifices or sing their praises. And fourthly, the leper must go about as a mourner. Leviticus 13.45, we read, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. And so if you came near a leper, the leper was required to cover his face and to cry, Unclean, unclean, so that you may escape leprosy yourself or being anywhere near him. This was a symbol of what God thinks of sin, that it was unclean, it was unfit for fellowship, that sinners need a Savior. Now the rabbis had refined the law even more so that a casual encounter rendered a clean man unclean. Let me give you an example of what the rabbis said. If an unclean man, that is to say someone afflicted with leprosy, stood under a tree and a clean man passed by, then the clean man becomes unclean. If a clean man stood under a tree and an unclean one passed by, the former remains clean. If the latter stood still, the former becomes unclean. So you're standing under a tree and you are passed by a leper. He stops, you become ceremonially unclean. That's how it was viewed in the Jewish world. A man with leprosy came to him. That's quite a statement, isn't it? The law told him to avoid others. The law told him that because of his ceremonial and physical uncleanness, he was to cry unclean. He was to avoid the company of others. But a man with leprosy came to Jesus. And the participles are piled up, begging, kneeling, saying, showing the intensity of this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came within touching distance of Jesus, and he dares to believe that Jesus can do the impossible. He sees the uniqueness of Jesus, and he comes to Jesus in faith, because the first prerequisite of discipleship is faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus overcame this man's utter, and I mean utter, and complete despair. Do you have faith in Jesus? Will you come in all of your desperation of all of the the saviors who have been unable to save and redeem you and cleanse you, will you come to this Jesus who can cleanse lepers? Now the second thing I want you to see is that Jesus heals the leper. Look again at verse 40. And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And then we read in verse 41, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Filled with compassion or with pity, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him and he healed him. Now, here we have in Mark's gospel a textual variant. 
Now, let me explain what I mean by that. The New Testament as uh, an ancient document is remarkable in that there are thousands of manuscripts and fragments of manuscripts to attest to the text. No other ancient document is like that. No other ancient document has so many, so many texts to which we could point, and from those texts we derive um, that text that we believe is closest to the original. Now, there are textual variants, and sometimes those variants are rather meaningless. Uh, Sometimes it's very obvious to see what the text should be, how we should read it. Here we have a textual variant that is somewhat interesting, and I wouldn't mention it if I didn't think that it was important. The choices between the manuscripts that read compassion and the manuscripts that read anger. The Revised English Bible says Jesus was moved to anger following one set of manuscripts. The ESV says he was moved with pity or compassion. Most scholars of Mark's gospel, I think it's fair to say, have opted for the reading that he was moved with anger. You see, it's hardly conceivable that a scribe would substitute anger for compassion. But it's easy to see why a scribe not understanding how Jesus could be angry would smooth out the text with the word compassion. And also the parallel passages in Matthew and Luke do not use the word compassion, supporting the view that the word was not originally present in the best manuscripts of Mark's gospel. This is not a liberal conservative issue. We're talking about how we are to understand the various manuscripts that help us get back as far as is possible to the original manuscript. So the original reading seems to have been Jesus was moved to anger and he stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I will be clean. But why would Jesus be moved to anger if that is the correct reading? I think there's a good answer for that. Jesus is dealing with the realm of the demonic. He is angry with the realm of darkness. In Luke 13, 16, the crippled woman healed on the Sabbath, Jesus spoke of as under Satan's power for 18 long years. Disease is the devil's work, not in the sense that every disease is because of my personal sin or your personal sin. Disease is the devil's work in the sense that it is traceable to his rebellion against God and the part that he played in the fall of humankind. Therefore, all of Jesus' miracles wage war on Satan's kingdom. And here he looks on this man disfigured by the devil and he is angry. And he reaches out in compassion and he touches him. H. McNeil put it this way, he was angry with righteous indignation against the forces of evil seen in human suffering when the leper came for healing. Another powerful presentation of the uniqueness of Jesus. We read in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's what he's doing here. Do you think that it is being like our Lord when those who have been cleansed by his grace, those of us sitting here this morning, is it like our Lord when we are angry at all that is unclean and destructive of our fellow men. But remember Leviticus 13 and 14, the backdrop? 
Leprosy is also the symbol of sin, and Jesus came to cleanse lepers and to remove sin. God is willing, do you hear? God is willing. I am willing, he says, be clean. He is willing to save sinners. The third thing I want you to see in the text is that Jesus shows compassion. Jesus shows compassion. Move with pity, or if it is anger, nonetheless, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus touched the leper. This was an unparalleled act of compassion. Mark draws special attention to the touch. Jesus reached out his hand, stretched out his hand, and he touched the man. Now, do you remember in the Old Testament when Naaman the leper came to Elisha? Did Elisha touch him? No. What did he do? He said, go wash. He sent him to the river. Elisha did not touch Naaman, but Jesus touches the leper. Jesus could have healed with a word. Imagine the feelings of this man. When was the last time anyone had allowed him even near enough to be touched, much less touched him? The outcast is now touched with compassion, loved and cared for, all of which points to the truth and reality that Jesus receives sinners, for leprosy is the symbol of sin. Now, I want you to note two things. First, by touching the leper, Jesus is claiming divine authority, for there is no one who could cleanse a leper but God. By touching the man, Jesus is not dishonoring the law. He is claiming to be the author of the law. And secondly, by touching the leper, the Jews would regard Jesus himself as ceremonially unclean. The rabbis took incredible precautions to avoid lepers. What does Jesus do? He touches the leper. And the time would come in which he would become unclean upon a cross. And he would identify himself with us as our substitute, becoming unclean in the sight of God for us. Not morally unclean, legally unclean, bearing the sins of his people on the cross as our substitute. Unclean in the sight of his Father that he might remove God's wrath. The best commentary on what is happening here are Paul's words in Romans 8. For what the law could not do, and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the flesh to be a sin offering. So here we have the author of the law meeting the demands of the law. And that is what the cross is all about. There the author of the law met the demands of the law, paid the penalty of the law. The law broke out in fire and wrath against us lawbreakers and demanded satisfaction. Jesus came to meet the demands of the law for lawbreakers like us. Jesus touched and healed the leper. Jesus identified with the man in his sinful need. Jesus, in a greater way, went to a cross and there identified himself with our sinful need and bore our sins in his own body on the tree. It's amazing. And the healing, you will notice, was immediate. 
We read in verse 42, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Don't pass this over. Use your imagination. Perhaps, probably, it was actually Hansen's disease. It had begun with red spots on his skin. It began to spread. These would increase and then turn into white scales on his body. The whole body was covered looking white and diseased. And the disease, of course, worked inwardly. The joints dislocated, fingers and toes and limbs dropped off, and a very slow death occurred. It's been described as a sort of living death. Jesus touched the leper, and the man's disfigurement disappeared. Is there some sin that has gripped your heart like leprosy in which you need to come and say, Jesus, show me compassion, touch my heart? Indeed, are you willing to now say, I'm lost a leper through and through by nature? And sometimes people want compassion without change. Sometimes people come for help and yet are unwilling to realize that the problem is not that they have been sinned against. And I'm not minimizing that. I'm not minimizing it. But they understand their problem to be their mother or their background or the way they were hurt when they were children or drives that seem uncontrollable or what others think of them or how others treat them, all of which is important. But you and I still are fallen in Adam and we must answer for our sin. And so when people come, they're disappointed with the minister's biblical approach when he says, The problem is me, and the problem is you. And often people want a solution that allows them to hold on to the sin or that doesn't require them to submit their wills to the Holy Spirit. And their problem is the way in which they are addressing the problem. The leper came to Jesus because he realized that he had leprosy. Do you hear it? He knew he was sick. He knew he was ill. He knew that he was the living dead. The leper came because he realized that he was helpless and that he was hopeless. And if we come to be healed of some gripping sin and call it by some other name, or blame it on others, or think the problem is a biological drive rather than the heart, or whatever it may be, then you're not ready to be healed. But if you know that you are a sinner, if you know that by nature you are a thoroughgoing leper, what hope do you find here? Well, let me tell you what hope you find. This represented sin. And the hope is that there is no guilt that is too great for Jesus to forgive. There was leprosy. None but God could heal this man. It represented guilt and sin. And so it says to us this morning, no guilt is too great for Jesus to forgive. That his atonement and shed blood on the cross is sufficient for the most heinous of sinners and sins. That no matter how deep your sin is or has been, you can be pardoned and you can be forgiven. That as old Matthew Henry put it, God would not appoint a physician in his hospital that in not taking every way, that, that is not in every way qualified for the undertaking. 
He is in every way qualified to deal with your sin and mine. And don't you understand that God recorded the fact that Jesus touched the leper to remind us that there is no sin, no moral failing, no law-breaking so great that it is beyond his cleansing touch and that Jesus has the power to forgive Oh, but you say, my sin is infinitely great. Yes, it is. But Jesus is the infinite God become man, and his sacrifice is infinitely valuable, and his sacrifice can pardon you of your sin. And so you see his condescension. Do you see his sympathy? Do you see his fellowship with us that he determined to come in our loathsome need to us in our sin and in our depravity and he spoke and it was done he left the throne in order to touch lepers like us i want you to see fourthly that jesus commands the leper he says in verse 44 he said to him see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So he says, don't, don't tell anybody what's happened. Uh, practical reasons for this, of course. There's the veiledness of his Messiahship at this point that the Gospels point to. There's the, the truth and reality, as we see at the end of the text, that people come to him from everywhere wanting healing and wanting their diseases dealt with because of what they have heard from this leper. But notice that Jesus shows respect to the ritual law. Mark retains the word cleansing for the healing of the leper. The priest in Jerusalem could only declare the leper cleansed. Jesus is our great high priest who actually cleansed the leper. And he came to redeem those under the law. And then we read in verse 44... See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Or it could be translated a witness to them. And it probably means not only a witness to them, but a witness against them. Yes, a witness to them. Do what the law says. Go to the priest and show yourself to him so that he can declare you clean. And let it point to me. I can do what no priest is able to do. But also, it was a witness against these Jews. Lane in his great commentary says, The healing of the leper demonstrated that God had done something new. If they neglect this sign or deliberately refer this gracious act to an evil origin, the accomplished sacrifice will testify against them on the day of judgment. And that applies to us today. We also have this testimony, the trustworthy, reliable, inerrant word of God that tells us that Jesus does this. We hear it this morning being proclaimed by his messenger. We have the testimony of scripture, this sure testimony of God's word. And imagine on that day, standing before the great God of the universe saying, I heard from his messenger that Jesus would cleanse lepers, but I would not come. Imagine the Lord saying, you heard from my word that I cleanse lepers. Had you come, I would have removed your guilt, but you did not come. 
Oh, my friend, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed for the salvation of sinners will in that day be a witness against those who reject that gospel. Don't let that be you. And then fifthly, I want you to see that Jesus raises the dead. Jesus raises the dead. Now you say, Pastor, I've read this text, but I don't see that anywhere. Well, it's here. Because you see, you have to recall again the Old Testament backdrop. And in the Old Testament, it was only twice recorded that God healed a leper. That was in Numbers 12 and in 2 Kings 5. We might add a third from Exodus that I'll mention in a moment. The point is, it was God only who healed lepers. And to heal a leper was considered to be on par with raising the dead. Do you remember what the king of Israel said when he read the letter from the king of Aram about Naaman the leper? He sent his captain Naaman to the king of Israel because he he wanted his captain healed of leprosy. And so the king of Israel in 2 Kings 5-7 we read said this, As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of this leprosy? And so the king says, to cure someone of leprosy is the equivalent of bringing a dead man back to life. And the rabbi said that it was as difficult to heal a leper as to raise the dead. And that is the point. That is the point, people of God. The miracles of Jesus demonstrate the destruction of Satan's power and that the kingdom has come. And especially the raising of the dead shows that the kingdom of God has penetrated into the province of the prince of darkness. And the miracles of Jesus point to the ultimate miracle God broke into our lives by raising his son from the dead. And the cleansing of the leper shows us the new thing that God has done, the new deliverance that he has brought. The healing of the leper is a sign that we have been delivered from this present evil age with its corruption, defilement, distortion, and its bondage that Jesus Christ raises dead men and women and children to life. As Martin Luther put it, The love of God does not find, but creates what is pleasing to it. And he came and he created what was pleasing to him in the cleansing of the leper, in the raising of the dead, in the salvation of your soul from sin. And so why would I preach a text like this at our communion service on the first Sunday of the month? Well... We're all here because by nature we are lepers, aren't we? In need of Jesus' cleansing touch, aren't we? And here we see the extent and the depth and the serious nature of sin and how ugly it is in the sight of God. We will see on the cross 
there even more deeply how ugly sin is in the sight of God. But here we see that God's saving dominion has arrived. That Jesus says to sinners, I will be clean. That Jesus touches lepers, that Jesus the risen one raises the dead. And if you this morning come to Jesus by faith, knowing that he is willing to cleanse you, doubt it not. Jesus is willing to save sinners who come believing him for salvation. Can he really do this for me, someone asks. In touching this man, Jesus is claiming divine authority. He can do this. He is claiming the authority of God because he is God. Do you remember when Moses was called to speak for God and the Lord was, was graciously condescending to persuade him of this call that he told him to take his hand and put it in his bosom and when he brought it out it was leprous. He told him to put it back and when he brought it out again it was healed. God did this and now he is saying to us, This Jesus who cleansed this leper is God the Son, God in the flesh, God who left the throne of heaven in order to touch this leper, God who condescended and came down to save those of us in bondage to this awful corruption of sin. Can he do this? Yes, he can do this. Jesus came to remove the sinner's guilt. He is God in the flesh. Jesus can raise the dead. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe. Someone here this morning, you need to throw away your works and your efforts. You think that you can be saved, you're clinging on to what you think is your righteousness. Throw it away, cast it aside, come as a leper, Come to the feet of Jesus, kneel before the Savior, say to him, Lord, if you will, you can cleanse me. And you know what? He will. He will. He promises he will. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.